Uh, before we get into the sermon today and prayer, let's, uh, I'd like to lift up the people in across Tennessee and, and Putnam County and, and in Nashville area. Um, they're going through some devastating times right now and some times that they don't understand why these things happen, but they're really hurting right now. And I know we've sent people, when people have been sent uh, to those areas to, to help. And I'm really proud of those people that, that left from our congregation and, and went and helped uh, people, you know, clean up. And it's a, it's a troubling time. And so they, they need all the help they can get. They need all the prayers they can get. Um, and we just need to lift them up in prayer for, for healing, uh, for victims of the, of the storms. Uh, they're going through a lot of loss right now. So we just need to really lift them up in prayer. Also, Pastor Dennis's mom is not feeling very well. She's going through some health issues right now. So if you guys remember her and your prayers as well. Um, but there's a lot going on. And so we need to really band together and, and, and really just become prayer warriors because that's, we're not going to get through it on our own. Uh, we're not going to fix it by ourselves. We can only do it through Jesus Christ and going to him in prayer and really lifting up people as a group. And so let's just uh, go to him in prayer at this time and, and uh, just pray for those people. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your many blessings, Lord. Just uh, thank you for being in, in, in this room, thank you for surrounding us with your presence, Lord. You're, you're welcome here, Lord. Just let your Holy Spirit speak to us today. Lord, let your Holy Spirit just open up our minds and, and clear our, our minds and open up our hearts, Lord. Just speak to us today. Lord, just, uh, I, we lift up all the families across Tennessee today, Lord. You, you know what they're going through. You know each individual pain. You know what they're, what they're going through. Lord, we just, we just lift them up. We, we just ask that you send your comforting spirit to them, Lord. When they've lost everything, they still can be comforted in the fact that they have you in everything. Or they might not be able to see that now. Lord, I ask that you send the help that they need. Lord, let us be there to help those people. Lord, just how we lift up Pastor Dennis's mom to you. And Lord, we just lift everyone in the room. There's sickness all around. Lord, we... We just ask for your, your healing spirit to come through here. Lord, we just thank you for everything you do, Lord. Just thank you for being our strong tower. Thank you for being this only source of power that we need. Lord, we love you and we thank you in everything that we do. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, today we're going to continue on with our sermon series in Genesis entitled The Rescue. And that's really what today's sermon is all about, is, is a rescue. Um, before we get started, um, how many of your, your kids love playing with Legos? Lots. Okay, I've had a lot of Lego hand-me-downs from, from people in the church, and I really appreciate that. But when Carson was little, really little, one of the first things that he loved to play with, and you know, he was just beginning to walk and, and talk, and so playing became something really important to him. He loved, well, actually, I'd had to do it, but he loved me to build towers of blocks and it was it was a game for us to see how tall we could build those towers and it was our game to build a tower taller than Carson but the, the best thing that he loved to do that his most favorite thing was about the time that I got it almost as all it was starting to lean over he would come through and just wipe it out blocks would just go everywhere and he would giggle and laugh and I'd have to do it all over again and we would do this for hours he loved doing it and now he's graduated from from big blocks Two little Legos, but we have little Legos all over the house now. 
But we'd get finished building those towers, and he would just demolish it. And that's what got me thinking about today's sermon. Because we're going to be in chapter 11 today. We're going to be talking about the Tower of Babel. And this is not just an ordinary Sunday school lesson like you've been taught. I know some of, most of us in here have been taught the story of Tower of Babel in Sunday school. Yeah, these guys build a tower because they want to be close to God, and God didn't like it, so he scattered them up, scattered, you know, sent them everywhere and, and made their languages different. And that was the end of it. That was, that was the gist of it. But there's a lot deeper meaning into it. There's a lot more into it. There's a lot more personal stuff that we can get from this scripture in Genesis 11. A lot of stuff. So if you've been with us so far in the story of Genesis, it starts out with God creating the heavens and the earth and saying that it was good. So God creates because God had his hand in it, it's good. He creates Adam and Eve and it's good. When God has his hand in it, it's good, but man messes it up. Why we see Adam and Eve fall into a lie when they sin. Therefore, that sin carries on through generation, through generation, through generation. Adam and Eve mess up. They fall into a lie that was given to them. They feel shame. Then we see further on that they have children. They, they're being fruitful and they're multiplying like God commanded them to do. And Cain gets jealous and, and kills Abel. Right? God sees something good, creates something good, but man messes it up. And then some time goes on. People are still wicked. People are still sinning. God created something for good, but man's still messing it up. And so we see Noah. And Noah finds favor in God because Noah is like the only guy around lifting God up and trusting in God. And God sees that and says, okay, I'm, I'm hitting the reset button. I'm hitting the reset button, but Noah, you're, you're favored by me. I'm going to do great things through you. So you build an ark. You put all the animals in the ark. Your lives will be spared, and I'm going to start over with you and your family. So flood comes. They float around for a little while. Waters recede, so they start to replenish and multiply and be fruitful and go out to the edges of the earth. And everything was good for a while until some of his descendants, especially from Ham, Dennis, Pastor Dennis talked about this last week, they were a little bit corrupt. So God creates something good and man messes it up. So we get to a descendant, and his name is Nimrod. Yes, Nimrod. I don't know if any of you have ever been called Nimrod in here before, but it's not a good thing. And I almost titled today's sermon, Don't Be a Nimrod, but I was afraid that people would see that on the sign and not be very welcoming. So I changed the title. But the title of today's sermon is Building Lego Towers. And going back to when Carson was really little, really opened my eyes to, to actually what we're doing what we were doing then applies to us today because we're not so different. We're still building towers today. And these are not great towers that people can see every day. But Nimrod decided that, hey, I can do it on my own. See, Nimrod got his name because he was a great hunter. And I find this fascinating that I knew I heard this name before somewhere else besides the Bible. Where have I heard Nimrod before? Well, I remember I looked it, looked it up. Bugs Bunny actually called Elmer Fudd Nimrod. So that's where it came from. And it started from there. So, so when someone calls you Nimrod, it's not a good thing. Because Elmer Fudd, he was supposed to... Nimrod in the Bible was a mighty hunter. He was a mighty ruler, but Elmer Fudd was not, right? So Nimrod decides, I can do it. I'm, I want some people to see how great I am. I want, to, I want people to see how great I am. 
I want to build a colossal tower for all the world to see. So all could see me and us. And we fall into that trap. We fall into that lie. So it brings us to chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. And again, we, we, locked, we learned about this in Sunday school class, but it was, it was just basic. It was just basic. It's a lot more in-depth. It's, it's deeper than what we were taught. It's more about them building a tower to see if they could reach heaven and God not liking it. And see, what's wrong with that? There's, what's wrong with building a tower? What caused them for, for God to be so angry? To be so angry that he scattered them all over the world and gave them different languages. What, what's so horrible about that? Why did he make them babble? And when we think about that, you really have to look at the deeper issue of the people in Babylon. Nimrod's people. The people that built the tower. And it was an eye problem. More specifically, it was a sin problem. And that's where we're going to get deeper today. It was all about sin. See, they fell into the same lie that was given to Adam and Eve. You will be like God. You will be known. So they thought, I can do it on my own. We can do it on our own. There's more to it. There's more to it. It's a deeper problem. So let's start in verses 1 through 4. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, and this is, this is important, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Little did they know this was going to backfire greatly on them. But the first, a couple of things to notice in this, in these four verses. See, first, their, their command, their, the thing that wanted them to stay and settle in one place, their idea that they could build a city, their idea that they could settle in one place was a direct disobedience to God. It was an act of disobedience. It's a sin problem. See, God's commanded them three times in Genesis to go forth, multiply, be fruitful. So spread out. Be fruitful. Multiply. But not just go out and spread out and, and, and fill the earth, but be fruitful. See, we forget that part. He calls us to be fruitful. Why would they not want to do that? You know, to me, that's not like God saying, go on vacation and make babies. Why would they want to do that? Go, be, go forth. Be fruitful. Multiply. See, the thing is, God's always pushing His people. God's always pushing His church, not just to stay inside the building, but to go out. We're supposed to be going outward. When people are in need, we go outward. See, it's not just about bringing people in the church. If we bring people in the church and not, when we're not being fruitful, we're doing it for nothing. We're supposed to be sending. He's always pushing us to go out, to build His kingdom up, to send, to give. So he sin pushes us to look inward at, at us, at the I. How can I get ahead? How can I be better? How can I matter more? 
How can people see me more? So what do they want? What are, what are they wanting with this city, with this tower? Well, city is a place to belong. It's just a place to belong. And what's wrong with that? It's, it's nice to be in a, in a place where you can belong. So they wanted to belong. They wanted to be in a the city. They wanted to be together. They wanted a great tower to accomplish something significant in their lives. To accomplish something significant. So they wanted people to see them, to see how great they were. And again, these things in themselves are not bad. But it was the reason behind it that made it sinful. And I think it's funny, they were building this tower, not only for so people could see their greatness, so people could see how great they were and see how great of builders they were. How did God destroy the earth the first time? With a flood. So they thought if they could build this tower big enough and wide enough and especially tall enough, they thought they could outsmart God. They thought that they could outsmart God because if they thought that they could build this tower tall enough and the floods came again, the rains came again, and the earth was destroyed by a flood, they could climb up on this tower and it would be their rescue vessel. It was not their rescue. God is the rescue. So it was about them. Let us, let us build. They wanted a great name. So they wanted to be popular. Young people, they wanted to be popular. Can you relate to that? They wanted to be known. They wanted greatness, but not only they wanted greatness, but they wanted greatness in the eyes of others. They wanted other people to see greatness in them. They were consumed by it. And we're no different. We are no different. They wanted a great name. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be great. But see, the ironic thing is God had already given them these things in the garden. They had a home. They had those things in the garden. They were in fellowship with Him. They belonged. They mattered. They had significance in doing what God wanted them to do. They were sons and daughters of God. They had it all, but they thought they could do it on their own. They didn't think they needed God. See, the greatness that they sought after was supposed to be in God. But now they just rejected him and thought they could do it on their own. Let us build a city. Let us build a tower. And God, we're just going to put you on the back burner. And so they started feeling naked and ashamed, just like they were in the garden. They'd been lied to. That same lie that was told in the garden was being told to them. You will be like gods. You will be known. You will be great. That same lie that was told in the garden and told to the people in Babylonia is being told today to us. You will be known. You will be great. You will be like God's. You don't need Him. We've been lied to. We reject God. We start to build towers for ourselves. We start to build towers in our heart. We, we start to build towers that we think others are going to see. And that brings us to our first point. That our sin attempts to build towers to heaven. It's our sin. Those towers that we build in our lives, the desires for belonging, the desires for security, the desire for greatness, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. God wants those things for us. But it's where we put our trust in. It's where they were looking for that is wrong. 
So they wanted a, a tower so that people would know them, not God. They wanted to see a big city so people could see how great they were, not how great God was. Because these towers that they would build called ziggurats, and they were just like step pyramids, and these became temples to other gods. The sun god, the rain god, whatever, do you name it. The god to themselves. The god was just left out. And we do the same thing. We put other things before God, and we start to build towers in our hearts. These things aren't wrong. Being, being wanted and, and being a part of a group and, and wanting to be successful is not wrong. But are you doing it just for you? Are you letting God do it through you and giving Him the credit? Giving Him the praise? And that's where they failed. See, several thousand years later, people have not changed. We are still living in Babylon. We are still building towers. It's the same old story. We want a city. We want a place to feel safe. We want to, be, we want to really belong to a group. We want the right kind of groups to, to praise us. Whether that be a coach at school or a teacher at school. It could be a ministry leader, church leaders, your peers, your, your boss at work. We want to be the cool kids, right? We want to belong. And again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to belong. God wants that for us as well. But are we doing it for our glory? Are we doing it for the I? Are we doing it for the me? Are we doing it for him? That's what they were getting wrong. Not only did they want the city, but they wanted security. And this is a big one. Because I think we all want to feel secure. We all want to feel safe. And there's so many things out there in the world today that doesn't make us feel safe. And no, I'm not going to say the C-virus word. But we want something that's going to guarantee our safety. That's why insurance is a trillion-dollar industry. Now, we all need insurance. We need life insurance. We need car insurance. It's, it's the law. And so those insurances help us feel secure. And so there's nothing wrong with having security and having insurance. But sometimes we look to that to to remove any kind, of, any kind of danger in our lives, that we can live just a little bit more reckless because there's insurance for that. And so as I was studying on the sermon and, and preparing it, I come across some insurance, some really strange insurance coverages that you can actually get. For example, there is insurance for kidnapping. So if you're afraid of getting kidnapped or if you're afraid that your, your kids might be kidnapped, there's an insurance for that, that if you cannot pay the ransom, that this insurance company, if you get kidnapped or your kids get kidnapped, they're going to pay the ransom for you. So there's an insurance for that. Plants. Now, I'm sure this only covers legal plants. Let's not get this twisted. So if you have a crop, if you have a crop, you, there's an insurance for that. If, if something, the plague comes through and wipes out your crop, there's an insurance for that. So there's, there's, there's going to be a rush to Farm Bureau tomorrow to get their insurance for their plants, get for your flower garden. And this one, I really don't want to talk about this very much, but there is an insurance for fantasy football. Insurance for fantasy, I mean, really? That just shows me that people are spending way too much money on fantasy. Now, see, we, we, we have a group here at church, and we like to play for fun. We only play for fun. 
But I needed some insurance on my fantasy team. I had some of my best players go out. I needed some insurance. Didn't have it. Now there's insurance for fantasy football. So if all the girls in your church beat you in fantasy football, there's insurance for that. And that's the only credit you go, you're going to get. Yeah. There's always next year. But the weirdest one that I came across, and this is my favorite, and I hope no one in here has this coverage, but you never know, you might need it, and that's alien abduction insurance. No joke. So if you're in fear of getting beamed up by aliens, there's an insurance for that. And not only is there an insurance for that, if you can prove that you were abducted, you're going to get more money. And if you can and if you can prove that they've done experiments on you, there's even more money available to you. Alien, really? Alien abduction? There's all kinds of insurances out there to make us and help us feel secure. That just tells me how many fears they are out there. And so we want to feel secure. It's because we're going out and we're trying to find these things that we can feel safe in and we forget the strong tower that we can all be safe in. He is the only insurance they need. He is the only insurance that we need. So we want our lives to matter and we try to use our works to make us known. And it's like building those towers. Look what I did today. Look at all the good things that I did today. I helped clean the church today. Whoop-de-doo. I gave more money than the guy next to me today. I did this. People look at me. Look how great I am. And we start to build these towers. We start to use our works to build these towers. And that becomes that sin's root is all about I, 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 me, me, me. And I come up with that because I saw a video of a, of a Sunday school class and little kids. And the, and the teacher was up there going, I, I, I. And the kids were going, me, me, me. So let's try it. I, I, I. I, I, I. I, I, I. And isn't, isn't that the way we are? From, from birth to adulthood, it's all about us. It's all about the I. It's all about the me. Well, we see this with Nimrod in the Tower of Babel. We want our lives to matter. It's all about us. It's all about the I. Verse 5 and 6. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So what he's saying, he's like, let's, let's go down there and see what those little gerbils are up to. Look at them building their little tower down there. Don't they cute? See, the thing is, he knows that evil and sin are going to spring up from their awesomeness. From them trying to do it on their own, this same lie that was being told in the garden, they're going to start believing it. And they're going to start getting further and further and further away from God. So he has to step in. He has to come down and step in and say, whoa, this is enough. And he's telling you that today because there's towers being built in your life that need to be quit being built. You need to stop building those towers today, whatever they may be. So God said, let's go down. 
See, God noted if they were people with one language, nothing would be impossible for them. Meaning the delusion of Adam and Eve in the garden, their sin will be complete. Mankind would have finally tricked themselves into believing that they really don't need God. They really don't need God. It's a lie. It's a trick that people believe every day. And say again, what they were looking for, what they were longing for, what they were trying to accomplish is not a bad thing. What they were looking for is not wrong. What they were wanting is not wrong. They were just supposed to get them depending on God and through Him alone. And so I think a lot of times we get too caught up in in praying for something and, and not seeing results. So if God doesn't act as quick as we think He should, then we start trying to do it on our own, and that's when we start building towers. We're supposed to get them from God. They were supposed to get them from God, but they thought they could get it from themselves through their strength, through their glory, through their own works. So we said, Pastor Nissa said all the time, the middle letter in sin is I. What I want instead of what God wants. Look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Look how great I am. What I did today. Whoop de doo. I'm waiting for Carson to come out of the corner and tear that down any minute now. In my strength, in my glory. And we do this all the time. You see, sin's wickedness is not the immortality of the act, but the heart behind it. See, our sin comes from the heart. See, the root of sin is I, 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 me, me, me. To what's in your heart? You walk in pride because the middle letter in pride is also I. Are you building a business in your strength for your glory? Or are you using it to glorify God? Are you being too religious for your glory? Or are you lifting up Christ? Students, are you only getting good grades and trying to get into college or to be successful only for your glory so people can see you? Or are you doing it for His glory? Got your attention in the back, didn't I? Whose will are you living by? Yours or God's? Whose strength do you attempt to meet each day? Do you wake up praying to God to lead you through? Or are you waking up every day and saying, I've got this? Because you don't. Whose will are you trying to meet? Yours or God's? Whose glory are you most concerned about? Yours or God's? What kind of tower are you wanting to build? Your tower or God's tower? Every time you try to build up to God, all we do is place a brick in the way. We think we're getting closer and closer to God, but all you're doing is you're creating a barrier. You're creating a wall between you and your Heavenly Father to where you build so high you can't see Him. You build so high that you, you, you're so far from the truth, you can't see straight. So we start to look for other things. We lose sight of Him and who He is. We lose sight of His plans for us. We lose sight of His plans because He has a plan for you. Verse 7, come, let us go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. Let's go down and confuse the languages. Confuse them. Sin leaves broken towers of disappointment and confusion. 
So not only is your tower going to end up being a disappointment in your life, but you're going to be confused by it, just like God confused the languages of the people. Could you imagine what that was like? Could you imagine being there? You know, you're building this tower. You're up there on the tower. Hey, send me some more mud. Send me, hey, Roger, send me a hammer up here. Right? So all that stuff comes up. Hey, is it time for lunch yet? And so they go eat lunch. And then all of a sudden you start to ask for something. And then you get a response like, blah, 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 blah. You have no clue what they're saying. It's, it's like it reminds me of calling direct TV. Ah, hey, listen, I, I, not very preacherly of me calling direct TV. I'm going to confess a little bit because, you know, you call direct TV and you, you get sent over someone that's overseas in the Philippines or Indonesia or, or China or anywhere, you name it. And so you're like, Okay, you can't understand me. I can't understand you. At first, you're 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 you know you're polite about it. And is there anyone else that, that speaks English? And then you, whoops, you are speaking English. You just can't understand them. They can't understand you. So then then you get kind of rude and say, "Can I speak to someone in America?" And then you you get patched through to someone that's in New York, and you still can't understand them, and they still can't understand you. This happens all the time. Who in here is multilingual? Who knows more than one language in here? Who can speak more than one language? Really? Really? We're in trouble. <laughs> now, okay, wait a minute. We're, we're in Tennessee, so I can say this. Now, who is still working on English? Yep. So no wonder who Noah can help us at Direct TV. What's the problem? All right, let's move on. Verses 8 and 9. <laughs> In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city is called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world, and we're still babbling today. It's babble, babble, babble. I'm talking, 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 no one understands. Sin leaves broken towers of disappointment and confusion in our lives. Say, notice here, I love how God doesn't tear down their tower because it had been easy for him just to be like Carson and come through and just wipe it out, right? And just smash it, gone. No, he leaves it there as a reminder. He leaves their disappointment there to remind them, you thought you could do it without me. You can't can't do without me. He could have let them go on, and he could have let them build it up as tall as they could build it, and he could let them get as tall and, and run out of oxygen, and then they'd die, and they couldn't breathe, and they'd not, not see there. Told you couldn't do it. No. He stopped it. And see, I love this because not only does this show judgment to the people, but it also shows mercy because he's still saying, you're doing this, and I still love you. I love you enough to scatter you out. I love you enough to confuse your languages. I love you enough to stop you now before you get too far ahead. Judgment and mercy. See, when we build towers in our own lives and we think we can do it on our own, we're doing everything for us, I, 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 and me, 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 God still loves us. And so we can never build up to, to God, so it's going to become a tower of disappointment. And we have all kinds of towers of disappointments in our life. All kinds. So what are the broken towers in your life? 
Where have you tasted disappointment? Was it, is it a bad relationship? A drug addiction? A lost job? A lost family member? It's in those times of loss and those times of pain is when we really start building for ourselves, when we start to get further and further away from God. We need to stop looking at God as destroying our towers, but looking at it as God's working through those broken towers in our life. Let it be a monument of truth. Let it be a message to us. Return to me. People of Babel, look at your tower. Look at your tower. It is incomplete. Let me complete it through you. He's telling us, look at your towers. Look at all your broken towers that you've left behind. Trying to do stuff on your own. Let me rebuild those. Return to the love of God. And I love how Pastor Tim Keller puts it. He says, when you face the inevitable disappointment from a broken tower, or an idol in this case, you'll have one of four reactions. The first one is you're going to blame the idol itself. And Pastor Dennis tells us all the time, to blame is to be what? Lame. It's lame. But we blame the idol itself. So we chose the wrong thing. We chose the wrong thing to worship. We chose the wrong thing to be the idol in our life. That one thing that you chose to put over God. That one tower that you were building up for yourself. We think it's its fault. We think the idol is to blame. We'll make a better choice next time. So if you're in a broken relationship and, and you've gotten a divorce and, and you think Mr. Wright is over there in the corner by the unicorn, go for it. But it's probably not. It's, it's a deeper issue. It's an I issue. It's a me, me issue. We'll make the better choice next time. So we blame the idol itself. The second thing we do, we blame ourselves. And there's a lot of us in the congregation today, we've, we've been here before. You've blamed yourself. It, it's all my fault. And we hang our heads and, and we're disappointed and, and we think God's ashamed of us. I'll do better next time. Kind of like our New Year's resolutions. How many of you have broken your New Year's resolutions already? Right? And you blame yourself. Oh, I'll, I'll do better next year. I'll do better next year. How many of you are like me and you don't even mess with doing New Year's resolutions? Because you know you're going to mess it up. You're looking, you're looking forward to messing it up. How can I mess it up this time? We blame ourselves. And we, we do this every day. Oh, man, I sinned today. That's, that's all my fault. I'll do better next time. I, 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 me, me, me. It's like when I clean my desk at school. Yeah, I got a clean desk at school. No, it's not. Two days later, papers everywhere. I can't find anything. Sarah comes in there and cleans my desk. I love working at the same school as Sarah. Got somebody to take care of me. But we blame ourselves. And then we blame the world. We blame the world. You just... You just get mean and grumpy and you just you check out. You give up on being happy. You give up in life. You just think, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn to drugs or I'm going to turn to alcohol or I'm going to turn to pornography or any kind of addiction. Turn to a hobby. You just give up on life and go play golf every day, which does not sound too awful. Or you just get depressed and you quit altogether. You just give up. Maybe there's someone here today, and you're, you're in this position. You're just, I'm giving up. I'm giving up. And we see this more and more every day. 
Don't give up. Quit blaming the world. Then, finally, once you reach rock bottom, he says, you finally realize you were created for another world. You realize that you were not created for this earth. You were created for something greater. That this world is just a stepping stone to eternity. You were created for another world. C.S. Lewis said, If I find myself a desire in which no experience in this world can satisfy. How many of you have been there? If I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most logical explanation and reasoning and probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I do not belong here. And I love it in Psalm 139. It's not going to be on the Sky Bible, but But just let these words speak to you today. Let these words resonate in your heart. If you don't get anything else out of today, listen to this. Let it soak in. Keep it close to you. Because this is really God speaking to us and telling us how much He loves us. Oh Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down into the grave, you are there. And some translations say, if I go into hell, you will go to hell for me. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. He sees you alone. You're broken. He sees you around your scattered towers of disappointment. You saw me even before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Don't you realize how often your heavenly Father thinks of you? He saw you in the womb and made plans for you. He's chosen all of your days. He has them numbered and He has each one planned out for you if you follow Him. He's chosen you. Even amongst your brokenness, He chooses you. He knows everything about you and He still loves everything about you. It's like noticing the smallest changes in your children. 
Every day you can see something different. And you love them more and more. And you, you love those little changes. And then you blink one day and, and, and they're big and they're grown. And you remember those changes and how much you love them. It doesn't even compare to how good the Heavenly Father knows you and how much He loves you. He loves us more. He loves us so much that when we made our bed in hell, He went and He would not leave us there. When we deserved to stay there, He would not leave us. He took on hell so we wouldn't have to. When we decided not to follow Him and build towers up on our own, He keeps thinking of us and He keeps loving us. He took on hell so we wouldn't have to. He said, Father, forgive them. He doesn't know what He's doing. Forgive Him. He took the pain and the shame and the guilt for us all. So you want to be known and approved of? You are. It's a, but it's a richer and deeper kind of love. And it's going to last longer than the love of any man could give. Any person could give you. Any idol or any tower could give you. Are you trying to be someone special? You are. You are to him. Are you trying to matter? Students, are you trying to matter? You matter to him. Jesus says, follow me, not build for me. Follow me, not build for me. So the last point in closing, God is building a strong tower through Christ. He is our strong tower. So Genesis 11 is in essence the story of us living in Babel. Man's attempt to build to God, back to God, getting back something that they lost. We're trying to build our own towers. But in Genesis 12, we start to see that God coming down to build His tower. I'm going to read the first three verses in, in chapter 12. Verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Abram, which will eventually become Abraham, Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. He is telling us that. He's saying, I'm going to go to earth and I'm going to build my kingdom there. He's building his kingdom here. So every time we try to build a tower to him, we fail. We fail and we fail. And we're just going to create more and more towers of disappointment. Blocks scattered everywhere. Walking over those. But God sees us and he says, I'm going to go build my tower there. I'm going to start building a new tower. And he does it in the weirdest place. He starts with a frail old man to build his kingdom. The total opposite of Nimrod and his followers being great and grand and doing everything for I, 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 me, me, me. Look at what we did. He chooses someone weak. He chooses us in our weakness, in our failures, in our pain to build his kingdom if we put our trust in him. We're still living in Babel. Who are you building your tower to? What are you building towers for? I will give you a home, Abraham. I will make you great, Abraham. I will give you everything. 
I will give you significance, Abraham, better than any tower. I will make your name great, Abraham. And see, he's going to make us great because one day when you accept him as your personal Savior on that day, he ties his name to yours. That's the only greatness you need. The only greatness we'll ever need. What he did on the cross for us. That's what he wants for us. What we were unable to accomplish in our own strength, God accomplishes on the cross by his spirit. We can't live a perfect life, so he lived it for us. We can't pay for our own sin, so he paid it for us. We can't dig ourselves out of hell, so he reaches down and picks us up. So the thing is, one day, we will all speak the same language again, but it's not going to be German, it's not going to be English, it's going to be the language of God. We're going to all speak the same language. So there's two towers being built in your life. My prayer, if the worship team would come on out. There are two towers being built in your life. Yours, to your accomplishments, to look at what I've done, to look at the works that I've done, the I, 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 me, 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 the monument which will always be destructive, the monument that will always lead to confusion, the broken and scattered pieces of those towers you're trying to build in life. Are you trying to keep building those and doing it on your own? Or are you going to trust in Jesus Christ, the strong tower? Are you going to trust in Him? Are you going to let Him build His tower through you? And that's when we'll have eternal significance. You want significance, you're going to have it. You want importance, He's going to give it to you. You want security, He's going to give it to you. See, just like the people of Babel, they were trying to build the tower as a rescue vessel, as a way to escape. And God says, no, I'm going to go down. You don't have to build up to me. Follow me, not build for me. I'm coming down to you to get you. So we're not strong enough on our own to build towers to heaven, to build towers to God. So you're going to build towers on your own, or you're going to let God be your strong tower. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just I thank you and I love you for sending us this word. Well, there's so many times that, that I get tripped up on me and I get too focused on me and what I've done. Well, just help us realize the things in our lives that we do, we do it for you, not our glory. Lord, just let us stop building, building towers on our own. It's not about what we've done. It's not about the greatness in our lives. It's about the greatness that you give us through you. Lord, let, us, let our church go out and not just be multiplying and being scattered, but bearing fruit. All through Genesis, you showed us example after example of people going out and multiplying, but they were not fruitful. Lord, let us be fruitful. Lord, you are our strong tower. Let us look to you for guidance. Let us look for you for strength. God, we can't, we can't do it without you. We can't do it on our own. We fail every time we try. Lord, if there's someone here sitting here today that is building towers after towers after towers and they're getting further and further away from you, Lord, rescue them today. Lord, let's let them accept you as their, their rescue. Come into their hearts, be their Savior. Lord, let today be the day they ask you 
into, your, into their heart, Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything you do. And Lord, again, we ask that you be with people all across the state that are going through this hard time. We lift up this entire congregation to you. You know our pain. You know our weakness. You know our failures. And you love us anyway. You have our whole lives planned out. Lord, just let us follow you so those plans can come through you and your kingdom can be built here through us. In your name we pray, amen.